Do we see? We see waves. All right, we're good. See, I can do it. You did it. I did. You did it. All right, we did it. So, Brian Friend. Yes, sir. What's up, brother? How are you? I feel good. I think that was a that was a tough competition, but I'm proud of our team's effort. And uh, it's like one of those things where you know I've been getting a good training cycle. I wanted to test myself, and I feel like uh, it paid off. Like I couldn't have done this without a, you know a good lead up to yeah. it. Yeah. So I want to talk about that real quick because I feel like I saw a post. Actually, you don't post very often. Maybe it was in your story where you say you don't do competitions. And then all of a sudden, we're here in <laughs> South Carolina doing the CrossFit crash cr- or crescendo. That's right. So how did that, how did that happen? Well, I, uh, I met JR Howell uh, last year at the Granite Games, and then I saw him compete in Madison. And, um, and we just like kind of became friends we have a similar mind for programming and our like sort of perspective on the season and the evolution of crossfit is similar um and so it was just one of those like natural relationships just easy to talk to we talk every once in a while you know as things are unraveling during the season the off season and i wanted to come in the fall to the uh, crucible but uh, i just was like i kind of just like gave up on traveling last year because yeah. it was so you know traveling always can be frustrating but it just, I didn't feel like I needed to do it. So I took like the year off of traveling. That's kind of why I had a good training block. For sure. And then I was going to come down for this and I, th- I was just going to cons- support him and help him. And I just had this feeling. I was like, maybe I should do a, maybe I should try to compete. So I said, you know, can I compete? And he said, yeah, it would probably fit in well in the intermediate division. I'll, I'll hook you up with some guys from the team or from the gym. So I didn't even know these guys. I just showed up here, met them. And then next thing we know, we're out there throwing down next to you. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome to have you here. So... For those of us that don't really know, I want to dig in a little bit. I know we don't have much time, but I want to know a little bit about your background. Like, first of all, where are you from? What kind of life did you have growing up? And how did you find CrossFit? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago suburbs. Uh, It was pretty nice upbringing. You know, of course, you don't know that when you're growing up. Like, just wherever you are, you are. Um, I ended up going away for school uh, a couple different places, primarily in Texas. I played soccer there. And uh, after that was like just kind of looking for something to do. I ended up kind of getting into running for a little bit. And then I took a job over in the Dominican Republic for a nonprofit organization. And while I was doing that, my like buddies from college soccer somehow came across CrossFit. Yeah. And when I came back to the States, um, they're like, hey, man, come on, come to the gym. So I started going to the gym with them a little bit. And uh, that was in the fall of 2013. And I've just kind of stayed consistent with and since then. So you're kind of known as like the statistics guy, right? That's how everybody in CrossFit knows you. Everybody loves to listen to Savon podcast, listen to your predictions for what's going to happen with each competition coming up. So at what point in your life, was statistics always a thing for you? Were you that kid in high school who was like, dude, I just freaking love statistics. Like, I'm going to go ahead and do this for CrossFit. Um, I, I was always good at uh, like kind of – creating games i guess so you know and uh i liked organizing events and i liked kind of uh, evaluating you know outcomes and i like you know i used to like uh get i got into the poker craze in the early 2000s and i would run like run poker games and stuff like that but then when when i found got into crossfit you know I, someone told me about the crossfit games i started watching it and actually what, what happened was i didn't uh i didn't think that the people covering the sport were really doing a service to all the athletes obviously the big names you know back then it was you know it was the froning and and Annie and Katrin and, uh, you know, they were obviously getting a lot of attention, but I felt like there were people in different heats and people in different divisions that probably weren't getting 
the credit that was due to them because uh, you know all of us uh, you know know how, how hard it is to get to that level even back then it was it was incredibly hard and i wanted uh, ultimately you know i wanted whether it was just one time that you won a heat in in whatever competition you know that might be like the the best moment of your career and, yeah and i went and then i would see people cross the finish line and they'd be like and the winner's in lane <laughs> six and they wouldn't even say their name Right. And I was like, man, like there's got to be a way to make sure that like we get the credit, even if it's that one time that they break through and have a great event. So, but I never knew that I would have an opportunity to do it. I just started um, kind of organizing data and creating little fantasy games for my friends for CrossFit. And as a result of that, I learned a lot about the athletes and the sport. And then in 2018, I reached out to Sevan actually when he was a media director of CrossFit still doing a podcast, uh, the CrossFit podcast. I just had an idea for his um, trolling the leaderboard segment that year. And he liked the idea, so he used my notes on the next show. And three weeks later, I was in Santa Cruz doing a podcast with Tommy Marquez, and that was intimidating because to me, Tommy was like the guy, like right. the guy that I kind of wanted to be, you know. And I was like, "Holy cow!" Because <laughs> I thought I was doing the podcast with Sevan, <laughs> but he was out of town, so I did it with Tommy. And it was nice to kind of uh, like hold my own with him and and have a guy who knew just as much about the athletes as I did, and we had a good conversation. And then it just kind of picked up from there. Was he kind of thrown off about how much you knew? Well, uh, maybe. I'm not sure. I've actually never really asked him that, but the the show was, like, driven by notes and stuff that I've prepared. Sure. So I was obviously prepared because I, you know, created the notes. So he was the one who was like, oh, yeah, I, I know about this stuff. I know about these athletes and whatever. And we had a good show. And then we went to the regionals, Savan and I. <laughs> I think it was the second podcast I ever did with him. And he's like, oh, yeah, we have a guest, by the way, and it's uh, it's Pat Vellner. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, okay. No big deal. Next day, Ben Bergeron. Day after that, Catherine David's daughter. So it was like trial by fire. You got yeah. the you know like the second fittest, the fittest, and the and the best coach in the time and the sport. Boom, boom, boom. And then you have Savon, who's like a total wild card. You never know what he's going to ask. You just have to be ready for everything. And I thought to myself, like, okay, if I can hang with this, then like maybe this is something I can be good at. But it didn't last because uh, we were going to do the games. Greg canceled that. You know, the week, like the day I was supposed to fly to the games in 2018, he canceled it. And then the media team was disbanded over the next year. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what would happen. But what ended up happening was I met a bunch of people at the games that year anyway who became pivotal figures in the sanctional seasons. And so then I got a bunch of opportunities to travel um, for those events and kind of uh, make, make relationships and um, build connections that way. And then, you know, that's what's kind of propelled me into some of the opportunities I have. Now. Yeah, dude, that's super cool. So you go from some nerd, you know, <laughs> in your apartment, just being like, wow, these guys, we'll see what, 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 you know, they move really well. I'm going to do some stats on them. And then you just do a random, was it what, a DM on Instagram for yep. Sevan? Yep. Did, what was it, like one of those one-liners back, like, yup, come on over or what? He said, damn, impressive, send me more. Yeah, because I like, I was like that was a good idea for a podcast, but you got totally off track and didn't really cover the the stuff you could have covered. Here's a couple of things that I think you could have uh, could have addressed that would have been cool after week one of the open. He goes, oh, that's impressive. Send me some more notes. The next week I send him notes and I turn on the podcast and he goes, well, some guy on Instagram, Brian Friend, sent me some notes, so we're just gonna use his notes for the show. And I was like, I like I wasn't expecting that, so I was like, oh, this is interesting. And the show was, I thought it was pretty good because they were, you know, a little, you know, you know, anyone who knows Savon knows he's always going to get on a tangent at some point. Right. But he was, that the notes were able to kind of bring him back. So when that was done, then he was like, okay, this is where we'll go next. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I listened to that podcast religiously. So it's kind of funny to see the revolution of your guys' like relationship, right? At first, I feel like 
maybe you guys were feeling out each other a little bit, and now it's like you just don't give you you give it right back to him. It's pretty. Nice. It's, I like it. You know, the dynamic it definitely evolved over time. But even in the beginning, there was some amount of uh, just like natural synergy. Yeah. So it was. It felt. It felt good. Um, but now we've like become friends, so we yeah. can have conversations off offline, and there's a little bit more planning before podcasts than there used to be, just in terms of what we want to talk about, what we don't want to talk about, because there's a lot of sensitive topics that are, <laughs> you know, he likes to to dig into, and he's pretty critical of a lot of people that are like friends and colleagues of mine. Sure. And I told him I was like, you know, that that puts me in a tough situation at times. So if you don't have to, I'd appreciate it if you don't. And uh, and he's very receptive to that kind of stuff. So I think it's going pretty well. That's awesome. Sorry about the sound in the background. They're uh, cleaning up the crash crescendo right now. So there we go. A little bit better. Yeah, dude. So talk a little bit about your experience then as far as, you know, we kind of geared up. We're in full send. We have these semifinals now. Um, Talk a little bit about how you like that compared to the sanctionals, compared to the regionals. Do you think we're heading in the right direction for CrossFit right now? I I definitely think there's the potential to be. Um, Based on what we've seen this season, it seems like, and and I don't think that this is necessarily the fault of everyone who's working on the games team, like in the in the top pivotal positions this year. The decision to fire Dave at the time that they chose to do it, you know, that I don't think that a lot of people were necessarily prepared or expecting that. And it was so close to when the season was going to start that a lot of people who'd been, you know, comfortable in certain roles were now thrust into different roles. And so, unfortunately, there's been a lot of, you know, hiccups and poor execution in the early part of this season. But, uh, you know, what I keep saying is, like, semifinals are coming up next. This part of the season has a ton of potential. There's really deep and talented fields all over the world. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that those will go off smoothly and that the games field is going to be good. Uh, and I, I do think that Adrian Bosman is a talented programmer who has, you know, he's had a lot of exposure to, to Dave's methodology and his growth as a programmer over time. And in, at, at points, I think he's been his right-hand man for that kind of stuff. So I think that, that the programming at semifinals – programming at the games you know can be very good and if those things are good and they learn from the mistakes they made this year in the open in the quarterfinals prior to next year that you know it can definitely kind of get back on track of of where it was in 2016 17 18 but the main thing they had going for them then that they haven't had in the year since then is just consistency right there's been so much change year after year and then once again this year and so I think from CrossFit's perspective what I would be striving for is to have uh, you know whatever the team is that's fine but like Get a team in place that you trust that can then build some momentum over a couple of years. And, uh, I, you know, I do think there's a good chance that we can kind of get back on track to where we were prior to 2019. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit about these semifinals. Which one are you looking forward to the most? I guess I'll do this two ways. So personally, I'm looking forward to the Lowlands Throwdown the most because I've been trying to get there for three years. 2020 was canceled. 2021 was online. And now 2022 is going to happen in person. And uh, the director there, Robin Stalma, has um, done everything he can to get me over there. So I'll be over there That's first awesome. week. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I've never been to the Netherlands. He's got a pretty good team there. I know the guy who programs for them. And, uh, you know, he's uh, Robin is also, he works for a media company. So they're in charge of the broadcast as well. And so that's kind of what I'm helping out with. So personally, I'm really excited to get over there finally. Um, from the co- competition aspect, Honestly, the first the first three and the first week are brutally tough. I mean, Torian is, to me, in terms of co- competition for the game spots allocated at each semifinal, 
that's the most brutal field. It's not the deepest field, but there's more people in both the men's and women's field in Oceana that have a chance to place in the top 20 at the games, I believe, than there are spots available in the semifinal. Right. And so for both the men and the women, you're going to have two or three athletes that miss out because they only get three spots that will be, you know, have to go to the last chance qualifier to earn it. But if they get through, they can possibly make the top half at the game. So I think from a competition perspective, because they get only three spots this year, probably Torian is the one I got my eye on the most. For sure. Yeah, you've mentioned that a few times before, um, especially on the female side. Yeah, but now with Ricky back in the field for the men, they got, you know, obviously Ricky's very good. You have Jay Crouch, who's maybe 22 or 3 now, and he's been training with Rob Forte for a long time. Royce Dunn won that semifinal last year, and he and Baden Brown both made the top 20 at the games. Uh, James Newberry is still competing, and even though he didn't go do great on quarterfinals, you, you should expect him to be in the top six at the semifinal. Like he'll thrive in that environment a little more if he's healthy and up for it, which I think he will be. And then there's a, a young kid coming up, Bailey Martin, that's also very good that I think can, you know, take one of the last chance qualifier spots. Though for the women, yeah, you got uh, Tia, Cara, Jamie, Ellie Turner, and Maddie Sturt, who uh, in my opinion all have top half potential, like top 20 potential at the games mm -hmm. if they're able to get there. But, you know, uh, Cara's kind of the – Cara and Jamie are a little bit of a wild card because uh, the, Jamie was injured last year, Cara. It's kind of weird. Like she's only 32, but you're just – like I'm just not sure. You know, she looked great at the at the semis last year. She had a withdrawal from the games. And I don't, uh, she doesn't post a ton of stuff about her training. She's doing the mayhem training this year. Um, and obviously it's worked well for a lot of other athletes. So I'm assuming she's going to be good and it's going to be pretty hard to get a spot against yeah. some of those women. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to watching it. So let's bring it back home here a little bit to Spartanburg, South Carolina. Oh yeah. So again, guys, where you just finished up with the crash crescendo, it's a four man team competition. Um, CrossFit crash owned by J.R. Howell. Um, there's a bunch of guys that train out of this gym regularly. So we got Jason Hopper. We've got Taylor Self, uh, Mike McDonald, um, among a bunch of guys that drop in frequently. Right. So t tell me this. So prior to, I guess it was, what, the 2021 Crash Crucible that Jason won? I think that was 2020. Was that 2020? Okay. 2021 Taylor won. That's right. Okay, so 2020. Yeah, I got all, dude, everything It's after weird because it happens in the fall. Yeah. So it was the, the, the one that Jason won was in 2020, but building into the 2021 season. And then Taylor won the 2021 building into this season. Right. All right. So prior to Jason winning, had you even heard of CrossFit Crash before or the Crash Crucible? No. And that was, you know, in that time of the, uh, I guess in the world at that time, there weren't a lot of competitions going on. Right. And, you know, down here in the South, things were a little more open. And I think JR, you know, wisely took advantage of that by hosting a competition where, you know, a fair number of elite athletes were like, hey, we haven't had a competition to compete in and, you know, live experience goes a long way. So, and then someone sent me, or a couple of people sent me that a podium picture from that competition and I knew Josh Miller and I knew Jake Berman and I knew, uh, you know, a couple of the other guys in the field and this guy, Jason Hopper, had beat them all. So right. I, I reached out to Josh and Jake actually and I said like, uh, is this guy legit? And both of them were like, oh, yeah, man, Jason's very good. And so he was on my radar from, from that point forward. And then obviously what he did at the MAC was, uh, last season was very impressive. Um, and I would think, you know, most people have seen since then, like the games, Rogue, Wadapalooza, he had probably below average and then kind of average performances relative to what you'd expect from someone who was so good at a semifinal. But he's also now gotten a lot of opportunity. Um, he's, he doesn't have to work full-time right now. He can train full-time. He's obviously got Matt Fraser in his corner, um, right. which is a great mentor for him. And, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what this season holds for him because there's a lot of guys that come into the, you know, like they, they make this surge forward and get into the, the games for a year or two, but they can't last. Right. Um, so I'm excited to see if he can like start stringing some good seasons together year after year, because I think that with a little bit of experience, he can, um, you know, potentially become like a perennial top, top 10 guy at the games easily. So I want to bring it back out then a little bit. So this is a question I've had for a while. So the semifinals, I would call it more of like an, an inbox competition, right? A lot of it's inside. A lot of mm-hmm. it is what we call classic CrossFit. You know, Jason dominates that stuff. And then we get to the CrossFit games and we have swimming, we have running, we have got biking, we've got obstacle courses, we got all kinds of stuff. So do you think that the semifinals should incorporate some more of that outside of the box stuff and bring it into the semifinals? You know, I think it would be nice to get to that point at, at some time in the future. Uh, the the one problem is there needs to be some consistency and part. You know, so in, you have to have uh, event organizers that can and 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 uh, facilities that can lend itself to that kind of competition. And so, like, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to find ten places around the world that can that can do that and have a swimming event, for example. But you might be able to have some that can have an offsite event and then five or six other ones that are kind of yeah, in easily. the gym. And now you've seen some of the incorporation of newer implements like the torque tank or the flip sled, the air runners, that you know where you can test running a little bit more. You can test some more out object stuff. You see the D-balls. You see the sandbags. So I think it's kind of going in that direction. But with only six or seven events, this is what we can expect to see at most of the semifinals, um, you know, there's only so much of that can do. you can do. When you get to the games, you have 13 or 15 events. You know, you could potentially have six workouts that are out of the box type of stuff, and it doesn't like throw off the balance. But with only, if you have only six workouts, for example, it's probably only appropriate to have like one or two that are like that. But I think that you sh- that that it could move in that direction, and w- something that might help with that is something I believe should you know should probably we should probably go back to, which is just to have consistent programming across all the semifinals. It's, I agree. You know, I mean, I do. What is it? Two of the workouts are all going to be consistent across the board. Is that correct? Yeah, so two two of the unknown number will right. be, and I'm I'm hopeful that CrossFit will also mandate that number because last year we saw six in some and seven in others, and some of some friends of mine and I we kind of looked at it and we're like, well, what? if they had had one less workout or one more workout, you know, that could drastically change the qualifiers. For the most part, guys finishing one, two, maybe three, or women finishing the top three, it's probably not going to matter. Sure. But those four four and five spots in Europe and, and North America, I mean, it is so competitive. There's probably at every semifinal five or six guys that could, five or six women that could take those last two spots. And if you have one extra or one fewer workout, it could be all the difference depending on what the workout is. So I'm hopeful that they'll pick a number and say this is the number you have to do. And that maybe going forward, even if they're not going to program every event, that they'll at least start to be a little bit more specific in terms of what they expect the competitions to program. All right, cool. Um, one more question about semifinals. So. Um, I'm going to be at Syndicate. You'll be at Syndicate, correct? You're not going to be the at same Syndicate. week as Lowlands. I'm kinda, oh, bummer. I know, I know, but I couldn't turn that one down. And it's, and it is a bummer because Syndicate's men's field in particular is, uh, extremely talented and deep. Yeah. And some of the guys from around here, actually there are 10 athletes in the males men's field alone that have competed here at Crash Crucible. Yep. That'll be in the Syndicate, which is kind of crazy. And I've had the majority of them on this podcast. So I'm really looking forward to watching that one. Um, if you had to pick a first-time games qualifier for the men's side out of Syndicate, who would you pick? I mean, I, there are plenty that could that could be, but I probably would pick Taylor Self. And and the reason being is he was uh, basically a self-inflicted mistake away from making it last year. 
he was top six on three of the four last chance qualifier workouts and bombed the deadlift, which, you know, that's just like, you know, sometimes luck of the draw in the programming if it's only four workouts, but he clearly has the potential to do it. And so for him, I don't think it's a matter of his fitness. I think it's a matter of the execution. So if he shows up and executes the way that I believe he can, I think even though that field is really talented, that he should find himself in a game spot. I agree with you. That's my pick too. Yeah. Or Poulin. I'm excited to watch him too. Matt Poulin, he's an interesting one. You know, I, I don't know how healthy he is. Uh, he, he got injured at Wadapalooza, but if he had not been gotten injured there, he was on track to finish right in the mix with the three Panchicks, Jason, and Taylor. Like he would have been somewhere in that 7 to 13 range. And obviously all of those guys also have potential to make the game. So if he has a healthy run, he's very good on, on some specific things and he's sneaky strong for his size. So yeah, Matt Poulin would also be a good pick. He's a pretty big dude. He's like he's Matt, a two, yeah he's a two hundred pounder. He's not he doesn't look that big. <laughs> he's yeah. all those guys though they're I so you. thick. I hear you. All right, let's bring it back home again. So let's talk about your competition specifically. All right, so you okay. came here, um, you flew in, you're staying at Jr's place. You never worked out with any of the guys, oh. and actually, all three of those guys are really good friends of mine. And I don't think any of them really knew who you were either. They're very much. Working men come right. work out at CrossFit and go home and that kind of thing. Um, but now that you got it through, what was your favorite event and which was your least favorite <laughs> event? So we had six events and mm-hmm. we're not going to go through all of them, but just name like your favorite one and what it was and then maybe your least favorite one. Uh, I would say that um, probably my, my favorite one was the uh, maybe maybe I like I probably like day two better than day one overall. So I, I like the lifting event was tough because like there was no room for air. And so I was a little bit nervous about that. And I kind of like enjoyed that. And then the execution of it, my least favorite was definitely the sled and the wall balls. I mean, that was oh, just yeah, terrible. Awful. And I couldn't, I was so grateful that it was the last event on the first day so that I had like, you know, 15 hours or whatever to recover before I had to do anything again, because I, I don't know how the advanced did that workout and then did two more workouts in the same day. I don't think I would have done very well on anything after that. <laughs> yeah, they're beasts, man. They're like a different breed when you watch those guys. I know. Someone was saying, I, I, I plan to come back for Crucible in the fall, and someone's like, oh, you're going to compete there? And I was like, no, 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 I'll be watching that one yeah. on the sidelines. I don't even know if there is any other division other than Advance for Crucible. I don't, I don't think there was. I think he calls it Elite, and I think it's the only one. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I'll preface this. I did compete today or this weekend as well, and Brian's team did beat me, did beat us. <laughs> Although, I think, what was it? The first event, you guys beat us by literally maybe six seconds. Mm-hmm. And that was completely my fault because I could not finish <laughs> those dumbbells. We had a synchronized dumbbell snatch. Mm-hmm. And I was just, the first round felt great. Second round, hit a wall. That's, that was like the, the MO of the entire weekend for me. 75%, I'm good. good. 25%, I just crashed. But... um the thing that screwed us was the lift. I, I missed the ninth rep on, oh, on the clean and jerk. Yeah, man, I got eight. And then, so let's talk about this one real quick, sure. just so people know. So the workout was you had eight minutes to complete with four partners. Partner one has to do 12 reps, clean and jerks, touch and go. Partner two, nine, partner six, uh, partner three, six. And partner, the last partner does three. And so I had nine. 
and that last rep I missed. And I should have gone lighter. I knew I, I don't know, I just got hard dick and had to go a little well, bit bigger. It's, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. And especially when you yeah. miss the last rep, you're like, damn, like I was right there. Like yeah. it was, it's, it's a number I could hit. But again, you know, I, I practiced this and I, I could do 155 for 12. But yeah. when I went up to do it, coming off that sled workout the night before, I went with 140. And I was like, I'm just going to choose a safe number and make sure I get it because I saw team after team having one or two people miss. And I knew I was like, well, the the best thing you can do is just make sure you log a lift at every at every interval. That's the thing. I mean, the competition's always completely different than the actual mm-hmm. like when you're working out and preparing for it. Yep. All right, man. I will let you go. Thank you for you know giving me some time. And uh, I'm bummed. I'm not gonna see you in a couple of weeks. I thought I would, but I'm glad that you got to go down to the lowlands, and I'm sure you'll have a great time there. Yeah, and it, I mean, that'll be a good competition, too. Anyone who's going to the Syndicate, that will be incredible. And I will be at the MAC and the Granite Games the weeks after that. So if anyone will be around there, come by and say hi. All right, perfect, man. Well, y'all heard it here on the Apogee Fitness Podcast. Thank you, brother.